this week, uh, I had the privilege of celebrating 38 years of being married to my wife, Dory. Yeah. And I was thinking about, you know, we had one phone call after a juvenile hall meeting, and then that started us just getting together. I remember the first time we got together was at Danny's there on Monterey Road in San Jose, and uh, we were there for about two hours, and they didn't make any money off, us, off of us. I think we had water. But I just think about love, you know, we all have different experiences with love, different feelings we had of love. And I just remember from that, from that probably that Sunday afternoon, every time I got off work, I would barely say hi to my mom, bye to my mom, and I'd be gone till it was like probably 10 o'clock at night. And I'd be over her house, just hanging with her, talking. And there's just something about when we feel love for someone, it, well, there are things that, that are become a new priority for us. And... Uh, I just been, you know, last week uh, our Taliban message was, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, the, the one from Samuel. And it's that thing about uh, being quiet before the Lord. And just the last few weeks, I've just been just trying to concentrate on practicing the presence of God. No matter what I'm doing, just like, God, you're here, I'm listening. And usually when I start my week, I'm open, you know, to hear a word. And God's been really, usually pretty faithful to give me the message for Sunday and Man, I'm just so excited. Well, it was Thursday, all day, praying and waiting, and I had nothing. But I just have this, such a peace with God that he's going to speak. And when I got home that night, he began to speak. So I got my paper out and started writing things down that he was talking to me about. But this uh, title of my message today, I guess I was so late we didn't even get in the bulletin. It's really a prophetic phrase from the Lord. It's a prophetic question from Jesus. Do you love me? And I'm telling you, that question, having the Lord ask that question to us, you can already get all up and think like, oh my, I'm bad. No, it's a question that he provides an answer to. And it's a question that invokes us coming back in different areas in our life to being uh, connecting in that first place of love. As we were eating dinner the other night celebrating our anniversary, Dory just looked at me, and you know when someone who loves you looks at you, and there's that look of like they're so open to you that you're intimidated, and you feel all your walls, you feel like you're naked, you know, because they're so open to you, and I think we forget how open God is to us because he loves us, and sometimes that intimidates us, sometimes because we've been, been so broken in our life by tragedy and by being rejected, and maybe some of you have been rejected in divorce, and maybe it's just a relationship, and you have just thrown your walls up saying, I am never going to be vulnerable again. I tell you, it's the love of God that penetrates and begins to trigger those walls because he wants you to experience his love. Do you love me? It's a question asked by people in relationship. Maybe you've been asked by that. Maybe if you're married, your wife has asked you, hey, do you love me? You know, maybe uh, your husband, hey, do you love me? And what is it, the busyness of life and distractions and maybe even some things that go on and, and uh, it's just not good at times. My son always tries to turn us on to clean comedians that he finds that are not swearing but have humor. And he turned us on to this new one we watched, and I can't even remember the name right now, but he was talking about his marriage. And he's saying, you know, when me and my wife get into it, it's like the silent treatment. We are giving each other the silent treatment. And he goes, you know, it's really hard because when you have a small hallway and you have to turn sideways to get by, and here we are, we've been going for a couple of days now, not talking, and you pass each other in the aisle, and you're giving each other the silent treatment, how awkward that is. And everybody was roaring, laughing in the audience. But 
how sad it is that, you know, we have such walls at times that we cannot give or receive love. What does love involve? It involves real feelings and emotions. It involves uh, uh, an area or level of opening up and being transparent, being vulnerable. It involves communication. And for us men, communication is not our strong point. We can work, we can serve you, we can do things for you, but words, come on. How many words do I have to give you? What about time? Time. In our world where time is, there's such a demand on us for our time, it is so hard to give time to those we love, and especially the Lord. What about attention? Even Have you find yourself, even when you're spending time with the person you love, that that's that old phone is going off, or someone's sending you a text, or there's just some kind of distraction. Maybe you're watching your favorite program, and your wife or husband wants to talk to you, and you, want to, you know you should be listening, but almost like there's a little thing. Whatever is interesting on TV, I'm, it's sad, but it interests you a little bit more than that person that you love. Giving attention, giving that personal attention. And what about practical service? These are just a few things that have to do with uh, the word that we call love and how God loves us, but all these different dynamics are involved. A lot of times we, we go by, if I feel love, those are the greatest things. But, oh, if we could keep the feelings constantly uh, available to us and feeling like we're, we're in love. Or when it comes to this prophetic thing from the, from the Lord Jesus, do you love me? Oh, if we would always have a burning passion in our heart for Jesus that we would want to constantly spend time with him or everything that we do, we would really acknowledge and realize he is right there with us and he is helping us. But his presence is there, and he loves us, and we love him. So Jesus asked the question, do you love me? Again, we've all been broken by, and because of our, our ability to trust love, we're broken, and we're always working on receiving love and giving love back to the Lord. Don't, again, today, don't let that prophetic question, do you love me from Jesus, throw you or make you feel guilty. But take it as something he's saying to you because he wants to draw you back into a deeper place of love. Jesus pursues his own. Peter is taking his, some disciples and going fishing. In John 21, 4-14, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, he said. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. We know this because all of us have experienced at one level or, or another that love, God's love, Jesus' love, goes after us. Jesus' love pursues people. Jesus' love pursued his disciples when they had left him in the garden and when Peter had betrayed him at that fire. Verse 7 in John 21 continues, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's, that's John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, 
for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there was fish on it and some bread. Our love grows as we have fellowship with those we love, and especially with the Lord, eating together and like Jesus did with his disciples, was always a place of connection and fellowship. Remember even the Last Supper where he unburdened his heart about what was going to happen. And in his love, he, he expressed to them by washing their feet. We're told that there's going to be a big banquet coming. Probably the first thing we do when all of us go home and Jesus is setting up his kingdom and we're going to have a meal with him. Jesus said to them in verse 10, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of his disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The next part, Jesus reinstates Peter. It's pretty familiar. Jesus, who is the expression of God's love to the world, dying for our sins, is the one that continually pursues us and reinstates us constantly in that love relationship. It's a familiar place that we're to experience in enjoying and receiving the love of Jesus. In John 21, 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Here's Peter, a strong leader. Here he, here he was, just taking his fellow disciples back to fishing, going back to an old foundation. They had all originally left Jesus to follow him. God's love had called them, and they had somehow left him. Remember Peter? He had that revelation of Jesus that he was the Christ that the Lord, that the Father had given him in Matthew 16, 16. We know Peter had failed Jesus, according to John 18, verses 15 through 18, and 25 and 26. We pull away from the Lord's love when we fail. We also pull away from the Lord's love when we fear. Thank you for addressing that today, Diane. Jesus asked us the same question he asked Peter. He asked that today. Do you love me? Jesus is asking all of us that question today. Do you love me? Even if it makes us feel uncomfortable, it's because he's trying to reawaken something in us that that love is uh, wanting to have us keep experiencing and that love is supposed to keep changing us. There are many different thoughts and feelings that cause us to withdraw from God's love. A lot of times the enemy beats us up, making us feel unworthy or we're not growing or we're just stuck and so we feel like 
God doesn't really love me anymore. And how many times has Satan whispered that to us? You know what? Jesus doesn't love you anymore. Why do you withdraw from the Lord's love? Maybe these are some of the questions you can ask yourself. What is causing me to draw back from the love I know is so much there for me from Jesus? Remember, in Romans 8, 39b, Paul wrote us, Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet, we separate. We step back, we close our hearts, and just kind of sit in a, a place of inactivity. Another question for you today, to maybe you want to write these down, and this week just kind of ask yourself these questions and let God just, re, and just reignite a love for him. Is there anything separating you from God's love right now? You can decide right now in that moment, I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm coming back to your love. Maybe your heart is heavy. Maybe there's a sin. Maybe there's an attitude you keep dealing with. You could say, I'm coming back. I don't care what I feel is separating from me. I'm coming back to you because you love me unconditionally. You loved me when I was a sinner. And even though I don't feel that close to you, even though I know and have a list of things that have separated me from your love, I'm coming back right now. He tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace because we come not by our works, but by the love and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. When we do not understand what God, who is love, is doing, we withdraw. I want to read a little bit about Jonah, talk a little about Jonah this morning. Because Jonah withdraws from God's love and his call. Jonah, God's prophet, goes from the belly of the fish to Nineveh to continue doing the work that God called him to do. He wanted him to go to Nineveh and share, the, share that, that if they didn't repent, they were going to experience judgment. So Jonah's been spit out by the fish, and he's there giving the message to the Ninevites about repent. And something happens. The whole city repents of their sin and come back to God. So we're reading in Jonah 4, 1 through 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly that they had all repented. They saw their works. They saw that they had disobeyed God and they repented for their evil. And he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? When God's word does not seem to be happening, we withdraw from him who is love. I, I, this really hit me hard, you know, because lately I've been really looking at the prophetic words and I've become a prophetic uh, fruit of the word inspector instead of keeping my eyes on Jesus. And last week I had a revelation that I have to let God be the God of his word because he said that he watches over it to perform it. 
And they came back and said, you know what? All the things you have promised, I'm looking to you because you have to make them happen. Forgive me for trying to look at what you're doing because of what your word said and getting my eyes off of you and then starting to get an attitude because I don't see things happening. And that's how Satan gets us. When we start looking at things that God promised and we see and Satan's whispering, well, how come he's not doing that? We start pulling our heart back from the one who loves us. And so I just felt like, wow, God, this is really speaking to me. Then I really just saw this in Jonah. Timothy Keller, the author of the book, The Prodigal Prophet, says this. Jonah's great anger, however, shows that he was not merely perplexed by a theological problem and questions. When he says he wants to die in verse 3, and God, with remarkable gentleness, chastises him for his unusual anger in verse 4, we see that Jonah's real problem was at the deepest level of his heart. Perhaps we could say that all theological problems play themselves out, play themselves out, not merely in our intellects, but in our commitments, desires, and identities. I hope you can catch this key thing. When we know God is a certain way, and we don't see him doing in the way that we understand as human beings, we pull back and we go stagnant and we kind of get um, disillusioned with our faith and with the love that God really has for us. And sometimes we question, do you really love me? Why am I going through this? And the enemy, again, is right there whispering. And what that does is, does is cause us to mistrust God and we pull back. We might even quit fellowshipping with other believers. We might quit praying. We might quit, quit reading his word. We could even quit going to church. Because something happens to us where we do not connect with a loving God because of our human understanding and the circumstances that we're going through. Questions to ask ourselves. Am I misunderstanding God's word and that it is causing me to doubt God's love for me? Again, our reality is always in conflict with what, what God says because we're always in something that is contrary to what God promises us. And so we always have to keep going in faith, faith in what God has said, faith in that God can be trusted. We have to remember that scripture in Philippians. He who has began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that good work in you. That takes us back to like we can trust a loving God. I may not like my circumstances right now, but I can begin to thank God that he has got this. He's not asleep. He's not on vacation. He hasn't left town, but he's working for my good, and his love is constant towards me. Do I have other... Then there's like three things that he mentioned. Uh, he mentioned our intellect, our commitments, our desires, and our identities. Do I have any other commitments that are competing with God's love? And that probably can really hit all of us because we're in such a busy society. California is one of the busiest states there is. There are constant demands in our home, in our families, on our jobs, in our society. Those of you who are commuting, uh, you know the things that could be separating you from God's love. Life is constantly competing for our time and our attention especially our love for God? Am I wrestling with other desires that are distractions to God's love? You know, sometimes we have to make a decision. I'm going to love God first. Sometimes people get in the way. I remember the first couple years, 
And it was like five years after we got married. We knew it was God's will. We struggled in our marriage for five years. It was constant pain and hurt and misunderstandings and these two rivers of different experiences in life coming together to become one. And it was a torrent of confusion. It was whitewater rapids for five years. But it was like, in part of that was like, yes, we were different, but God was working on us. But part of it was when we found each other, we kind of put God on the back burner. And it took uh, the, the, the frustration in our flesh and not getting what we wanted from each other for us to be able to put God back first. And we will put God back first in our marriage, in our life. Our marriage started getting better again. So those distractions can be good, but there's always something trying to displace Jesus and the love of God for our life. In Mark 4:19, Jesus said, The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. And what is the word of the Lord to us? God loves us. Timothy Keller has some more comments. When Jonah says, in effect, that without that, whatever it is that's priority, I have no desire to go on he means he has lost something that had replaced God as the main joy, reason, and love of his life. Jonah had a relationship with God, but there was something else he valued more. His explosive anger shows that he is willing to discard his relationship with God if he does not get this thing he wanted. And what did he want? Jonah wanted God's judgment on Nineveh. Nineveh was oppressing Israel. Israel was under that oppression, and he as a Jew wanted to see them defeated, but we know God is love. As much as, he, as he's using Nineveh to uh, correct and judge Israel, he's also trying to get a hold of the Ninevites and show them his love. And how many times we don't like the way God is dealing with things? How many times we get offended or even with people and we're, we want God to strike them dead? Remember the disciples? They wanted to call down fire and Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. And that's that thing about the love of God that it is uh, trying to do something in our life. He goes on. When you say, I won't serve you, God, if you don't give me X, then X is your true bottom line, your highest love and your real God. The thing you most trust and rest in, here is Jonah saying to God, who should be the only real source of his meaning and life? I have no source of meaning. He wanted to die. So Jonah had run from God's presence and been angry when God did not punish the Ninevites. In Exodus 22, the Lord's first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. But it's so easy in this life when God promises to give us everything that we need and he said he wants us to enjoy all the goodness there is in the world. But we have to be able to enjoy what God has given us in this world without letting it take the love that is to be for God. We can love God. In 1 John 4, 19, we love God because he first loved us. And how many of us know when you're loved by someone, it just does something in you to open your heart and make you vulnerable and want to let that person in. 
In Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. God has given us ability to love him back. Aren't you glad? There are so many things in the Christian love life that we cannot do on our own, but it is the love of God that it says motivates us and can restrain us from doing wrong things. And that love is a powerful thing that causes us to overcome and, and helps us restore and have relationships. God's love draws us to him. The love enables us to love God back. What about other loves? In 1 John 2, 5, God's word says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You ever read about Demas in the New Testament? The Apostle Paul writes about him in several places. One of the places is in Colossians 4.14. Paul wrote that Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas were greeting the people. The Bible Dictionary talks about Demas a little. Demas was a faithful helper to Paul the Apostle during the, his imprisonment in Rome in Colossians 4.14. Paul called him a fellow laborer in Philemon 24. What happened to Demas? Because we read on later that Demas leaves Jesus his first love. John the Apostle writes in Revelations about leaving our first love. He talks about that church in Ephesus. In Revelation 2.4, the Lord says, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Again, we can cool off. We can get distracted. We can get offended. We can get caught up in something else. We can even get caught up in our theology and somehow doubt God. And it's our personal relationship with him and uh, godly counsel and the support of each other as brothers and sisters that keeps us on that track of being connected to a loving God. In 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul in his letter to Timothy wrote about Demas. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed to Thessalonica. The Bible Dictionary says, Demas was probably a citizen of Thessalonica, to which place he went upon deserting Paul. I'm thankful for the Bible because it talks about real people who are men and women of God, who have gone similar situations that we go through, where they get disillusioned, they misunderstand God's word, and they're there for us so that we can learn by their mistakes and their successes that we can make the appropriate adjustments on our own walk with God, that we keep walking in his love. Our key verse for today is John 14, 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. We display our, display our love for Jesus by obeying the things that he taught in his word, by obedience and submission to his commands and his instructions, by listening to him daily for our own lives and for our relationship with him, by spending time just loving him, worshiping him, that God will speak and in his love he'll give directions and sometimes assignments that we don't like. I think of Peter. Peter did not want to go to the cross. Peter was totally in love with Jesus. He totally received the love of God. But when, but when he was facing those guards and when he saw what was happening, there was something in him that said, you know what, I'm not ready to die yet. And 
he thought he, he didn't have any problem. But it's interesting how love will trigger what's in our heart. And it's not to condemn us, but it just knows it's something else that God wants us to deal with so that we can experience more of his love. In John 14, 21, Jesus said, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. In John 14, 23, Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. What a powerful thing to know someone loves us with such a great love and has done so many things for us and will continually do things all, about, all through our life for us that he will come and make a home with us. That's the kind of person we want to love and we want to love in and through us. In John 14, 24, Jesus said, Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Jesus asks all of us today prophetically, do you love me?